talk about you know, the decline of the church in America. And I think I can make a pretty good case that it's not political extremists, not even pastoral scandals that are the primary driver of the decline of the church in America, although those things have surely contributed, sure. I would argue that the biggest reason that churches overall in America are in decline is simply that Christians are some of the most unkind, angry, catty, gossipy people that you're ever going to meet. Most, if not all of us, have at one time or another experienced unkindness at the hands of other believers. I have been in deacons meetings, not here, we are happy uh, where the deacons literally shouted each other down, screamed at each other. I thought this was a good I literally had a fellow pastor tell me one thing in a staff meeting in the morning, then in a meeting that night, tell the deacons, oh, we never discussed that. One of my best pastoral friends one time had a man stand up in their annual meeting and scream at him, Pastor, I hate you. I've been falsely accused of things I never did, with no evidence. I've had people for whom I bent over backwards for and spent inordinate amounts of time with to help them through massive crises a couple months later leave the church because they felt called elsewhere. <clears throat> so there, there are folks, maybe even some of you, who are suffering or have suffered from church trauma by the mistreatment they experienced by people in a church, or even worse, by a pastor. The staggering number of cases of sexual abuse by pastors against women in their congregations is almost unfathomable. The number of times I've been somewhere and some church name has come up and some person who is not a believer or part of any church said to me, oh, I heard about that church. It'll blow your mind. In every place that I've ever lived. I'd rather go on and on about that, the litany of woes about how common this is, but I think you probably know. I'd like to look at what Scripture has to say about this. And before we do that, let's get up to speed with a little review of where we've been. We started out with 1 John, talking about how Jesus is real. That's where John starts, that Jesus is real. He's, in fact, the basis of all that's real. He is eternal life itself for people who were once destined for eternal death. He is the message we proclaim so that others can have a share in Jesus. And so our lives are meant to be Jesus first and everything else later. And we talked about how sin is an insidious reality that wants to take every person out. It wants to keep us, from li keep us living in darkness and prevent us from walking in the light of Christ. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus died and he rose again to conquer sin and death and the devil. His spirit in us comes to give us strength to fight sin if we ask him. His word in us will give us the tools to fight sin. And we have one another. And we may be sinners, but we're also saints. And together, we can all have a share in helping one another to walk in the light. In the last week, as we got into chapter 2, we talked about loving God and loving others. And that if we just follow those simple things, we will avoid a lot of potential sin. So God loves people. How we're seeking to live as followers of Jesus, John tells us, is a pretty good indication of our spiritual state. 
And he points out that even though we do sin, which we're going to, we have Jesus as the one who's on our side. He's the one who's always for us. Jesus is not up in heaven being all angry and mad at everybody and waiting to toss lightning bolts down as soon as somebody steps out of line like God's just there with man. I can't wait for Delta to step out of line. <laughs> Get along. 
important that John is now specifically speaking to believers about other believers. In fact, it's so important when we get to chapter 4 of this same letter, he talks about it again. In chapter 4, verse 20 of the same letter, he says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Ouch. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. In other words, if we want to say that we love God and, of course, love others, but we can't even manage to love the other people who claim to follow Jesus that we're right in contact with, we probably need to think about that. Because this is sort of like entry-level love. This is like love 101. Just love other people in church. You've know, you got you to run before you can walk, right? You've got you to start with the small stuff. This is why, you know, I was never worried about Marissa having a horse. I mean, I'm not saying it was a great idea because horses, you know, money goes in the front, you know, comes up the back. But, um, but all the time we had smaller pets, right? Dogs, cats, that sort of thing. She always took super amazing care of any animals that we had. Now, if she had not, I would have been sort of worried for poor Warren. But as you can see, this horse is rather pampered. <laughs> she was good at the easy level, so she was not going to have any problem on the hard level. Same thing here. If we can't even love the other people in church that we have many things in common with and are together with regularly, how are we going to claim to love God who we can't see? Or how are we going to manage to love other people outside the church who don't even think like us and who maybe even look at us and go, you people are nuts. John tells us if we can't do this, we're going to get lost in the darkness. Look at verses 9 and 11. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So when I was younger, you heard me tell stories of camping on the islands and the reservoirs of Upper Michigan. And one of the things about these islands was there, were, there would be well-worn paths around the islands to all the campsites that but you got to understand, when I'm, when I'm talking islands and the reservoirs, okay, we're not talking little tiny little, little rocks sticking out of the water. Okay, we're talking islands, some of which are as big as the entire property Greenhall. These are big islands for being in a lake. Okay? That's the thing. If you live in Iowa, you have to really experience If you only fit the lakes in Iowa, you have to really experience the lakes. The ponds. <laughs> Iowa has well Jesus. We've laid out the path, but we're not following. 
know, you run around in the darkness, bad things happen. I was camping one night, and we're using a tent with guy lines to hold it down. And we're playing kick the can. Anybody ever play kick the can? And I came running past the tent. <laughs> in the darkness, and one of those guy lines caught me right below me. Now you understand that those guy lines were put in. See, my friend Bruce could have worked for some of brothers construction because everything that he built was like overbuilt. You know, you know, most people put in their tents with those little metal, those little thin metal pen pegs and those bent on the end, right? They put them in had custom made his tent pegs by getting one of those metal signposts they put like stop signs on, cutting it into pieces, sharpening one end so they had those teeth on the side so when you stuck that thing in the ground, it wasn't going anywhere. And over I go. Those things were coming out. I was just going down. So much pain. That's what happens when you run around in the darkness. Don't get hurt. Don't hurt other people. One thing to inadvertently hurt someone, but here John is warning us about sinning against one another. That's the context, right? Everything he's talking about is about not sinning here in chapter 2. And so when we run around in the darkness, we hurt other believers over loving them. And then we're going to get hurt because, remember, we have a share in one another. So John wants to urge us to take another path, and love is that path. Let's look at verse 10 again. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. I still like that. There's nothing in there to make them you're not, you know, if you if you choose to love, you're not going to stumble. If you're walking around the trails on the islands, they're, they're well worn over the decades. But you got to remember that the undergrowth and all that on these islands, they're in the water, so it's really thick. Everything grows really fast. You wander off the path, you end up tripping or getting caught in the brushes or the briars. If we stay on the path of love, we're not going to stumble. We're not going to hurt other people. We're not going to get hurt ourselves. Jesus himself tells us in John 13, 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, now let's just think about what he's saying. He's saying, this is Jesus talking. He's going to tell you how other people are going to know that you're a follower of Jesus. It is not by our politics. It is not by our buildings, fancy or otherwise. It is not by our programs, no matter how great they might be. It is not by even our correct doctrine that we have dotted our I's and crossed our T's as our doctrinal statement is all perfection. I mean, those things have their place, don't get me wrong. What does Jesus want his disciples to be known for? What is the thing that people should look at and go, wow, those people really, really follow Jesus? It's love. Love for one another. It's like the baseline measurement of where all following Jesus starts. It's just loving one another. We can't even get this right. Then, honestly, probably just wasting 
taken a long time now. If I were if I were to be treated badly, we can we can go back and that off the world and not even have to put any money in the hospital. That's free. We need to be getting on the path of love. I love Dr. Lloyd. I've never experienced this in this church, in previous churches. The number of people that were constantly telling moms how they should be moms. When was the last time you just encouraged the mom that she's doing today? Mom and being a mom is tough. I know this because I've watched. Watched my wife be a mom and watched my daughter be a mom. Oh, man. I mean, it wasn't tough for my mom because. <laughs>
and then they had, you know, across the Atlantic and, and all. None of us had ever heard this story before. It was phenomenal. It was great. I'd never heard that story in all these years. I told him he must finish his memoirs so that I can read them and ask questions. <laughs> so cool. That's my encouragement. Be, be an encourager, not a discourager. Patience. You know what? Folks could have messed up. You know what else? You're going to mess up. You know what else? I'm going to mess up. Why would I mess up? That's why we need patience. Patience means that we, we realize, you know, we might be all on the path, but we're trying to be on the path, but we're not all in the same place on the path. And sometimes we, we stumble off the path, and, uh, you know, a root whacks me in the head, and I do something dumb. Okay? So we need patience. Patience means that we, we accept one another's differences and, and all my idiosyncrasies and, and all that stuff. We accept those things in one another. I accept the fact that Joe does not want to partake in my bacon wrap shrimp. <laughs> I feel bad for him. It's okay. I have patience with him about it. And then patience leads to the next one. This is the big one. Because, like I said, people are going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. So we need forgiveness. That's the third one. When we mess up, we need forgiveness. You do willing to forgive people. I do not get Christians who hold grudges against other people in, in church. It's hard. And here it's hard not to. There are people that I want to, I want to, you know, from the past that I want to hold huge grudges against. But we have, we have to forgive. And we have to be willing to seek forgiveness when we hurt somebody else. We have to grant forgiveness. We have to be willing to seek forgiveness. There's almost no time that I can think of we are more like Jesus than when we are forgiven. Because is that not what he has done for us? Fourth one, kindness. Does anybody like it when somebody's unkind to them? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'll go to Target thinking, man, I hope there's some folks that are mean to me today while I'm a target. Just so I can, just so I can get it all. <laughs> I mean, because we all know some mornings, well, let's admit it, some mornings we wake up with a real fight. Yeah, you know it's true. Kindness. I'll give you some advice. This, this advice is good. This is good for young people. Okay? It's good for everybody, but this is good for young people when it comes to relationships, okay? We talked about relationships when we explore that Here's a piece of advice I didn't give you then, but I'll give you now. If you want to know how somebody's going to treat you someday, watch how they treat the servers at restaurants or the clerks at stores. Just watch. If they are willing to be unkind to a server at a restaurant or a clerk at the store, then I can promise you Someday, they will be unkind to you. 